Hi, I'm Patrick John Fluger, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey shy hearts welcome to episode 90 of meet us at molly's as always i'm gina i'm joined by brina hello everybody so this week, we're going to talk about episodes 10. So 410, 710, 610. It's the big return from winter hiatus. We have so much ground to cover. So much. I'm really excited. There's so much to unpack. These were really great episodes. I'm really excited. So just be ready. There's going to be hot takes, yelling, all sorts of stuff <laughs> coming in the next... We're probably going over two hours. I'm going to just call it now. So... <laughs> As always, we like to start with the news. We don't have any news this week. Well, I mean, technically we have news. We have some post-episode interviews for PD, but we've sprinkled them into the PD section. So we will cover those when we get there, but we have no, like, outward news, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So basically we're just going to dive right in because yeah. there's a lot. Yeah. There is a lot. All right. So let's start it off with Chicago Med. There just <laughs> couples drama everywhere, which is, I mean, every week, but like more so than usual. Yeah. It's so. Crazy. Oh, it's so crazy. Let's dive into Connor and Ava. Okay, first of all. We'll work up to the Manstead sized elephant in the room. Can we please discuss Connor's like back tattoo and how huge that is? Did you see? Did you pay attention? Oh, of course I paid attention. Do we think that's a real Colin tattoo or is that like a Connor tattoo? I bet that's a Colin tattoo because otherwise, like, why would why would Connor have a back tattoo? I don't know. Connor was doing, I don't know. Connor was an adventurous person before med. I don't know. It wasn't completely so. I don't know. I don't know. It just, that was just like way bigger than I thought. And when I saw it, I was like, holy shit. Listen, I love tattoos. I'm not even going to lie. And so anytime he moves in a certain direction and I see a new hint of a tattoo, I'm like, wait, go back. <laughs> Where was that? So he's got that one on his like on his arm, like but like underneath. So it's like only like the sleeve just kind of barely cuts it off. And every time I'm just like, cool. <laughs> like, really? I've never cool. seen that one. Or I've yeah, never paid attention. I'll have to pay attention now. Yeah. Yeah, so mm, I'm guessing that's a Colin tattoo. And that's I'm my thought. I mean, that was my thought, but, like, I just didn't know. I was just curious. Mm-hmm. It started kind of weird. Like, it's, the episode started with Connor and Ava's sexy time, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. Connor was trying to get her to go to Or, this, no, it, technic yeah. it technically, I think... Does it start with that, or does it technically start with the April scene? Like, with them, her and Monique and Doris walking. I don't remember which scene it Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know which scene it technically starts with, but Connor and Ava are, like, right there. So, close enough. Either way, I mean, Connor said some things in this episode to Ava that we were like, really? Your relationship is at that point? Connor saying, you're my girl, just sounded really weird. Uh, it, it did, <laughs> and it didn't. It's, I mean, it didn't. It didn't sound weird in like an out of context or out of character way. 
it sounded weird in that I was like, wait, I'm sorry, what? You're an actual couple? You're not just fuck buddies? Yeah, I, I think I think it sounded weird to me because he was talking about Ava. Not even to the fact that they're more of a couple. Just like, I guess I never saw their relationship going beyond fuck buddies. And like, clearly the way that this episode ended for them, like, it probably ain't gonna last that much longer. Um, but we'll get there. Yeah. So like, to yeah. me, like, just hearing it, him saying, you're my girl to her, was like, wait, huh? Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, like, I agree. It's not out of character for him to say that, but it was just like, what? I just always figured both of them, like, didn't want to commit. Right, like, Connor got screwed up after Robin, so... So we thought, but I don't know. Yeah, the end of that episode got kind of weird, but, yeah, uh... <laughs> Ava was trying to get out of that gala thing he kept telling her about, which is definitely me anytime I make plans. I'm like, but I don't want to (laughs) go. Can't we just stay home? So I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. But yeah, Connor had a patient, meanwhile, and Connor did Connor, and of course things went awry, because Connor... I knew it was... Like, you could just tell. Like, you knew it wasn't going to go perfect with Connor's patient. Like, you just know. It's his own damn fault, though. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But also, like, I mean, I like I understood his rationale from the beginning of, like, it is a kid, like, rather than just pull it out, like, you do kind of want to do it in, like, a secure location. So if something did go wrong, like, you're already there. Like, I do get it, but, like, you could just tell. It was just Connor. Connor was being too cocky about everything. Does Connor know any other way to be aside from cocky and arrogant? No. Not these days. (laughs) I miss, like, seasons one and two when he was not an asshole. Yeah. Agree. Um, You know. We do love the beard, though, so that's, you know, something. Yeah. Connor's look in season four has never been more on point than, is more point than (laughs) ever. The attitude, however. uh, It's just so frustrating sometimes because like you see how he is with Ava and you know he's all sweet and doting and you know when he's not being competitive and cutthroat and horrible to her but there are moments where he's not a dick is basically what I'm getting at well there's been like this episode really because like even beforehand they were I mean I guess maybe episode nine I would consider him being sweet to her but really so like two episodes worth of them not even really that much to go off of he he just he knows how to not be a sucky person i'll put it that way Mm -hmm. it's just that he also knows how to be a shitty person i think but we need more no go ahead him being nice no no i'm just saying we need more of him not being a sucky person agree i think if anything this episode made me a little more confident that the connor we did always love is still in there somewhere and i haven't like given up hope on him Connor, when he's standing up to his father, is the best Connor. That is a good version of Connor. Well, and even even the, like, him in the OR, like, being cocky and horrible or whatever, like, was even, like, a very much more mild version than we had seen. Mm-hmm. Like, I could tolerate, I mean, I don't want to tolerate this version of him, but if this is the version of his cockiness that we're going to get, 
I can tolerate that. It's not like the worst version of him we've seen. Yeah, like channel your arrogance into positive channels. Like channel your arrogance into fighting for good. I don't know yeah. how else to say it. I know what you're. I know what you're trying to say. But yeah, so this one, I but like I said, it's just I feel better, a little bit better about it, even though he was still a little terrible this episode. Uh, that like he's still in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely still in there. I did love Ava when she walked in and she was like, you let the parent in the OR on a trauma case. I was like, go, let him have it. Just Just lay out everything he did wrong, please. Do it, Ava. (laughs) Be there for us because we can't be there. We we can't be in the OR with you. So you lace into him because we can't do it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, you can lecture me later. I was like, oh, oh, she will. Mm hmm. That was funny. But yeah, um, and then we get to the gala, and things get weird. It gets really weird. Really weird. So at what point did Connor drop the other weird line on Ava? Oh, I'm trying to remember. I just, like, the thing that I want to talk about the gala more is this, like, Cornelius fucking Rhodes being the worst fucking human I've ever seen. When Ava, I have a big problem with Ava, too, but... That's the other thing, too. Things were really weird with Cornelius and Ava. And so, first off, why did Ava lie? Second off, did nobody else notice that Cornelius smelled her before he talked to her? No, I noticed that. Because he literally says he smells her and tells her he loves the perfume and that it brings back nice memories and, like, how he wants to do it again and basically is blackmailing her into, like, wanting to have sex with her again because he wrote her a really large check and, like, maybe he'll give her more money for the hospital if he she sleeps with him again. And he's like, I deserve, I think I deserve more than one night. Like, ew. Like, chills down my spine in the grossest way. Like, ew. Oh, yeah, he's disgusting. Disgusting. But Ava, like, what the fuck is homegirl doing? I, you know, let's think about this. Because we don't have confirmation on whether or not they slept together. We don't know. We have no idea. They might have just had drinks. I don't know. But I think she probably doesn't have the heart to tell Connor what actually happened if they did, in fact, sleep together. Yeah. Because if that happens, I mean, she's going to lose him. Yes, but I... I understand that, and I understand where she's coming from, but, like, not that I want her to, to, like, not that I want Cornelius to get away with what he just did, because, like, that was really gross, but, like, he also, like, didn't deserve to get punched technically. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, he did, but he did. It was just, like, I don't know. Like, Ava, no. Like, Ava, what are you doing? It's going to hurt. Not that it's, it's going to end bad. Connor's gonna get super hurt. She's gonna be pissed, but like, she brought this, bringing this upon herself. Like, it's it's gonna be bad, Gina. No, I know, and I mean, they haven't said I love you or anything, but obviously, you know, Connor really cares about her, as evidenced by like, you're my girl. And then when he was like the other line, he was like, we're a couple with a future. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I got flashbacks to that time that Roman was like, I love you, probably. <laughs> Oh, you're drinking water. That was terrible timing. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I, that line, man. I love you, probably. LOL. I can't even. But- that was like the med version of that line. Like, we're a couple. <laughs> with the with future? a future? <laughs> yeah. No. You guys have no future. I, you know, and again, I'm, I'm going to give Ava the benefit of the doubt that she did not sleep with Cornelius. Let's also think about that. What message does that send to viewers if Ava slept with Cornelius to get the money? Uh, see, and I think she did. I'm taking the thing of like, she did. Is, does she, does she have any sort of attraction towards, or is she attracted to Cornelius at all? No, I just think she want, I think in some weird twisted way, she knew that the only way she could get Connor to stay in Chicago is if they had this hybrid OR, and the only way she could knew she could get money is, or knew, the fastest way she knew to get money was from his dad, but of course, obviously, that ended the way it did with probably them sleeping together which basically means that con or not connor it basically means ava slept with cornelius to get connor to stay yeah because she's in love with connor that is fucked on many levels right and the only reason i think that they did is like if they didn't sleep together they went somewhere further than just like kissing Hmm. They did something. Because why else would he, in some creepy way, say, like, he knows her perfume. The only reason he's going to know her perfume is if he was somewhere close to her, like, face, neck region. Maybe he has smelled her from behind before. He's a creeper. Okay. Give me my... Okay. And he says it brings back nice memories. He wants to do it again. So what is it? And then he said, you know, obviously it's a really large check, whatever. I think I deserve more than one night. So one night. Please tell me you didn't. Like one night to me when people just say like one night, like that means like someone stayed the night. Like they were together. Or I mean not stayed the night necessarily, but you know what I mean. Oh, man. That's why I think they slept together. Or at least did something way more than kissing. That's ugly, if that's the case. Yeah. She slept with her boyfriend's father to get her boyfriend to stay. Oh, and at the time, not even her boyfriend. Ugh. Gross. It's just, this lie is going to come right back to bite her in the ass, and it's... I can see the scene now. It, It ain't pretty. I mean, yeah, if I'm Connor and I find out about this... I'm pissed. I'm grossed out. I'm hurt. How do you trust again? I don't know. I don't even think it's a matter of trusting her. I think it's a matter that he's going to, I don't know. He's going to be hurt that A, she lied. Yeah. I mean, by trust, I mean, like, how can you ever believe something that someone says to you again after, like, like, another significant relationship? Because at this point, Robin ghosted him. Ava has lied to him. Robin set to return. Don't forget that. Uh, Yeah, for some family drama. I wonder what that's going to... How that... Interesting. 
Man, this has the makings of being a gigantic mess. Has the makings. It already is a gigantic mess. Man, oh God. I mean, Connor's probably going to punch Cornelius again when he finds out that they actually slept together, if that's the case. That's what I'm saying. Like, I can see it now. Connor is pissed and whatever, punches Cornelius, whatever. Ava is sobbing. Like, I can see it now. can't facepalm on a podcast and people see it but just we're facepalming oh big time big time smh so elsewhere in the hospital speaking of dr charles he and elsa worked together on a case and we'll fill in more of the details of this later i mean granted we all saw the episode we all saw the promo basically that Somebody drives up and starts shooting at Monique and Doris in April in the beginning of the episode. So we'll get more into that as we go on. But basically where Dr. Charles and Elsa are concerned is that they're treating the shooter. And some interesting things go down. You know, one of the big themes of this episode, I mean, the episode is called All the Lonely People. So one of the big themes that they weave in is that theme of loneliness. And so... The episode goes on and, you know, Dr. Charles is trying to point out to Elsa that like, hey, you know, you're, you're kind of lonely here. That's why you're projecting your feelings and that's why this is happening and that's happening. Brenda, what did you think of this whole situation with, uh, yeah, Elsa? I almost called her Molly and then I went to call her Elsa and I was like, no, wait, that's Frozen. No, wait, that's the right name. Are you talking about like the last scene specifically or just like the episode or the story arc in general? Yeah, the story arc in general. It was, honestly, I really, I, st- I so I watched it again today. I really don't know what I make of it. The last scene was interesting. And, like, I, I mean, it's clearly Elsa trying to project, like, in the last scene specifically. Elsa's trying to project mm-hmm. her own feelings when she calls, you know, she's calling Dr. Charles out for being, you know, lonely and all that stuff. She goes on this whole, like, rant thing. And she I think she's trying to project her own feelings on a Dr. Charles after she saw them manifested in the patient. Because the patient was going through this whole thing. Basically, why the patient started shooting people was... Or he mutilated... He had plastic surgery to try to make he, himself he more ca- attractive because he thought he wasn't getting girls' attention. And then he still didn't get girls' attention, so... Yeah. And he wasn't just shooting people. He was targeting women. Well, and he was specifically targeting Monique because he had had a stay in Chicago Med like six months ago and he had asked Monique Mm -hmm. out. She said no. And then he asked for a male nurse because he didn't want to be around Monique anymore. Crazy. So when he was going on about being lonely, I think Elsa saw her a, a little bit of herself in him. And then when Mm -hmm. Dr. Charles called her out on it, she then tried to, like, turn it around on him. Yeah, and so, I, you know, I really hope Dr. Charles recognizes that and doesn't take it personally. I mean, because we all know, you know, Dr. Charles has a a history with, you know, with depression. And so I know there's a big concern about that. A lot of people were saying, like, you know, hopefully Dr. Charles is okay. But I'd like to think that he knows that, you know, she, she got really defensive really fast. So, right. Which is why, so we got a tweet from Jiffy Pop Culture who asked us, Curry to Dr. Charles, harsh or accurate? I think it was harsh, and I don't think Dr. Charles will take it personally. I think 
he's just more concerned about her and making sure that she's okay after this lashing out or whatever we're gonna call it um Mm -hmm. and even before this and even before all of that I mean like he was already concerned about her workload and how much she's taken on because she's apparently getting her MD and a PhD at the same time which I don't think probably actually ever happens maybe I'm wrong maybe someone out there was getting a PhD and an MD at the same time but like no sane person would probably ever do that to themselves in real life I don't know I could be wrong (laughs) but yeah, so I just think it I think it was definitely more harsh. And I think Dr. Charles seems pretty secure with himself um, and where he's at his life, but I could be wrong. I don't know. So we'll see. But I think it was definitely just more harsh rather than accurate. There are indeed joint MD-PhD programs. That's literally insane. Oh, no, it's totally insane. Dual degree program, Stanford Medicine. Oh, yeah, it exists. Oh, the MD-PhD program at Harvard Medical School. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's a thing. Well, interesting. That's insane. That's insane, but yeah. Goodness. Oh, students begin their training in the summer before the first year of medical school by taking a course called Molecular Biology of Human Disease. That sounds easy, right? So how many years is it? Uh, let me see here. Probably a lot. Right, because medical school is four, and then if you add a PhD on top of that, I mean, damn. Oh, my God. So the average time to complete a biomedical PhD in the United States is six years. If pursued independently, obtaining a dual degree would take about 10 years. Damn. I know. No, thank you. That's crazy. Oh, my God. Like, why? Yeah, I don't know why. It's like Elsa wants to torture Well, and that's assuming that she doesn't decide to, like, take a surgery tract. Right? Like, I mean, like, assuming she doesn't decide to then become a surgeon on top of that. Man. That's intense. I know. Okay. Well. Anyway, I things I learned. I, that. I literally could. Yeah. I literally would have sworn they made this up. But I mean, I have obviously faith in the writers that they wouldn't make up something like that. But geez, I never would have thought it was actually a real thing. Oh man, that's awful. I mean, it sounds awful. That's great that somebody's willing to pursue that, but that sounds awful. Yeah. Well. Anyway. Jeez. But yeah, that's kind of where. I, what do you think about Elsa's lashing out? Yeah, she was just, I mean, she got really defensive. So, yeah, she's totally lonely. I just think she didn't like hearing it, you know. She didn't like seeing it. it She didn't like seeing it in the patient and then seeing. I think it kind of scared her, too, seeing it in the patient. Because she she was afraid that that was going to be her. It's possible. Or, like, not to maybe that extent, but, like, see that she was afraid that that was going to be part of her. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, I didn't really think anything of it. I just, just like, okay, she's lashing out. She's defensive, you know. There's something there. Yeah. Um, the only time that I was like, okay, that's below the belt, was when she was like, your own resident hated you so much she moved to Texas. I'm like, okay, oh, that's yeah. enough. Yeah, that was mm, a little hard. That he could take personally. I could see that. I don't want him to, though. Yeah, I don't think he will. I think he's moved on from the Sarah Reese of it all. 
hopefully. I hope so. I hope so. But yeah, so um, yeah, so that happened with Dr. Charles and Elsa. But then we get into kind of the meat of it here. So obviously Shooter was targeting Monique. He missed Monique and instead hit April. Just casual. Yeah. No big deal. I will say before we move on to kind of the Ethan and April and Vicky, whatever of it all, that out of all of this, even though April's the one that got shot and ended up missing, like you said, missed Monique, I did, the way this storyline kind of ended up wrapping up, like, I did like getting to see a little bit more of Doris and Monique and their friendship with April and Maggie. Like, I thought that added, like, a nice, different side to the episode. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. It just brought, like, a fresh, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. It was good to see them all together. I love that Doris and Monique are always gossiping with April and they're like, so Ethan's doing this. And April's like, can you please not? She's like, like I, that's my ex. Like, please stop. Yeah, I, I don't want to hear about it. Especially stop. Doris. I know. Oh, Doris. Doris is like the Regina George of the ED. But not even. Yeah. No, she, no. She's like the Gretchen Wieners. Did her father invent toaster strudel? <laughs> Yeah, no, but she's definitely more the Gresham Wieners at the ED. That's funny. So who's the Regina then? I feel like we've talked about this before, but who's the Regina of the ED? Is that, it's not Maggie. Maggie's not mean. Ava. <laughs> Ava. <laughs> well, it used to be Ava. Ava's mellowed out now. Ish. Uh, hello, what did she just pull? That's true. It's the most Regina <laughs> George thing ever. Mm, true story. True story. Yeah, so <laughs> April is casually shot in the opening, like, five minutes of the episode. Crazy. But it's no big deal. We just gloss right over it. I, I don't know. Like, I know she got shot in the arm, but she still got shot in the arm. Right, and the fact that she goes back to work is just like, damn. Yeah, and they walk in, and, of course, Ethan's like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, it was cute when, like, the first thing he did was, like, he immediately called out for her and, like, ran to her. Yeah, that was pretty cute. He's so in cute. love with her. Oh, yeah. Like, I actually, like you said, in that first scene when he's looking for her, like, I actually got all the feels. And I still don't really ship sex toy, like, at all. But, like, I actually got all the feels during that. Yeah. It, yeah, that was sweet. Because, I mean, yeah, both of them are in love with each other. They're just being stupid and can't admit it. It's crazy. I know. But also, can we please talk about how April got shot and casually was like, eh, I'm fine. <laughs> It's cool. Can we also talk about how Med totally spoiled that days before the episode aired? Yes, Med. Come on. Not cool. Yeah. Like, I mean, we all knew that, like, you could hear the shotguns firing off. That wasn't what was spoiled. Like, we all knew that from the promo. But, like, they definitely spoiled that it was April. And I guess in the grand scheme of things, it's not the biggest part of the episode. So, like, I get it. But, like... Also, still, April got shot. Yeah. What is it with people? Yeah. We like getting shot in these next couple weeks. In these, like, set of Can weeks. Can we please stop it? Like, we don't like that. Right. We're not cool with it. Stop shooting our and friends. We'll get in... Please? Are we yeah, stop to, really friends. just trying to injure. Because, like, if we want to go with fire this week, too, with, like, Casey and Naomi, like, almost dying. Yeah, Okay. We can hashtag it. Stop shooting our friends. <laughs> stop hurting our friends. 
Yeah, stop hurting them. They're our friends, and we love them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. Back to Ethan yeah, and April yeah. and Vicky, I get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so go on. You take it, you take it from here. I mean, I just think the other thing, too, like, so all episode, Ethan was, like, kind of had his pants in a knot about how he, like, obviously was trying to, like, reconcile, like, his feelings for the shooter with, like, trying to be a doctor and, like, do what's right by the patient. Um, and he ends up, like, figuring out. And April ends up, like, calling him out on it at the end. And he, like, goes on this whole thing and he's like, April, don't you understand? The first thing I wanted was revenge, but I couldn't let myself go there. It wouldn't be... I wouldn't be any different than him. He hurt someone I care about. He hurt you. Oh, these two. Just make out and call it a day. When I think it's interesting, so another tweet. Jiffy Pop Culture sent us, like, a whole list of t- tweets. Um, there's going to be a bunch of questions from this user throughout the episode. But, like, brought up the question of, like, is sex toy over? I mean, yes, technically they are over. Like, they're not together. He's with Vicky. Whatever. But, I mean, no, they're definitely not over. Oh, they're definitely not over. No, No, they still love each other. Yeah. But I will be curious to see what, I mean, because I think Vicky obviously started to see that, right? Like, that Ethan's probably not all in with her as it once was when they were first together back in season one. (laughs) So, like, I think she's starting to see that, like, this isn't my guy anymore. Yeah, <clears throat> I, yeah, I, I don't think they're over at all. No. In fact, I mean, aside from Vicky, what is keeping them apart? Emily's gone. So. Yeah. I don't know. I Yeah, I thought it was a little odd during the episode, you know, because obviously Ethan was pissed at the shooter, but he was still treating him. Just his whole attitude towards the shooter was weird. And then at one point. He was like, well, we need to run another scan for this. And April was like, you know, his presence is upsetting everyone, right? I'm like, okay, calm down. Like, you're both acting really weird. But then again, somebody got shot. So I can't really argue for that. And the shooter is right there. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be hard. I can't even imagine, like, what it's trying to, like, have a shooting happen right outside the hospital and then be like, oh, yeah, the shooter's just going to hang around for a little afternoon while we try to figure out what's wrong with him. Like, <laughs> I can okay. only imagine. Because I feel like it's already right. hard when doctors have to work on shooters and people they don't want to treat, but they know they have to because that's their job as a doctor. But, like, mm-hmm. the A, have it impact people that you work with and that you love and be to have it right out basically right at your workplace and then to like have to do that like it adds a bunch of different complex dynamics that we usually don't get to see in like shooter scenarios right yeah so elsewhere in the hospital ian harding's arc has now begun yeah ian harding for those of you who watched pretty little liars which i did not uh, he starred on that show alongside Tori, or Tori starred alongside him. Wasn't he Ezra? He was, like, a big role. Yeah, he was Ezra. He was, I mean, he was okay. there all whatever seasons. I don't know. I didn't watch it. I didn't either. But his recording, recurring arc has begun. Um, yeah. That whole, the way that was set up was odd, because it was like, 
He and his wife came into the hospital, and then five seconds later, she was dead. Literally five seconds later. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Yeah. I really thought it was going to take, like, the episode, like, she was going to die at the end or whatever, but, like you said, it was literally five seconds. It's like, oh, she has a aneurysm wrapped around something, so, like, she can't push. Well, then, of course, she starts pushing, so the aneurysm bursts, and then she's dead, and they're like, but they get the baby out. So he has a baby, but his wife's dead, and it's like, okay. <laughs> it was, that that whole scene was really weird, because, like, yeah, she pushed, the aneurysm burst, she fell unconscious, and then, you know, two seconds later, basically, he's standing there the whole time, and Natalie's like, your wife is dead, we need to deliver the baby, bye. It moved very quickly. Well, and then she comes around and obviously, you know, she basically, not obviously the same thing, but like, you know, she lost her husband, so she was a single mother, and so she can relate, and she's like trying to be there for the guy, and the guy's just so, like, out of his body and like doesn't really know what to feel, but like you can start to see the seeds of him becoming attached to Natalie, like, started to be planted in this episode. Or, like, not necessarily maybe even attached is the right word, but, like, him being drawn towards her. Yeah. You could, like, start to see that, like, happening. So, it'll be interesting, for sure. Plus, Tori and Ian together are hilarious. They did an Instagram Live the other day, and they were both just, like, goofing on each other, playing with filters, you know... Just answering random questions. They're pretty funny together. And I think that now, I think now that like she, she kind of has a buddy when it comes to bugging Nick and like pranking him and stuff. Cause there was a video she posted the other day and she was like, Ian, you're in the wrong chair. And he gets up and he turns around and it's Nick's and he's like, now nah, stay. Like, so yeah, the, the off or the onset antics are pretty funny as well. So should we take predictions though? Like, do we think this is actually going to become, like, a legitimate, like, love triangle, like, a thing, or is this just going to be, like, Nat, like, pushes Natalie to realize that, like, she either is, like, ready to be with Will or is not ready to be with Will and, like, it doesn't really ever become a thing. I'm going to go with the latter. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I don't think it would be, like, a full-on love triangle, but I definitely think they'll kiss at some point. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's cool having Ian Harding around, even though I didn't watch Pretty Little Liars, but you can tell, like, the chemistry between Tori and Ian, cause, just because they go far back and they're friends. Yeah. So it kind of lends itself on screen. But they were so funny in that Instagram Live. Oh, man. I hate that I missed it. Was it was enjoyable. When did I catch it? I caught it. It was last night. No, I- yeah, it was Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, yeah, I was just able to catch it while it was on, and I was just, it was funny. It was really funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we had that going on. But also, the biggest of all news is that Will's home. Surprise! I love though how he like basically shows up. Like Natalie knows he's coming back. She expects him maybe in like a day or so, but like she knows he's like on his way home. But then basically, Maggie's like. Natalie, someone's waiting for you in the trauma bay. And she's like, okay. Uh, or she's like, someone needs to see you in the trauma bay. And she's like, okay. And he's like sitting there. Like, why do you have to show up and surprise her like that? Like, come on now, Will. 
Like that's the yeah, best that you could come up with. Yeah, that was kind of a dramatic with. entrance, right? Like that's the yeah. Yeah, best thing you could come up with. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But they like legit sequestered him. It wasn't just like casual staying at Jay's like protective custody. Oh no, they got his ass out of Chicago. Yeah, and it's been like what, like a month, two months, something like that. Two yeah. months. Yeah. Damn. That's crazy. They sent him to Phoenix for two months. Hey, you were just there. I just now uh, put that together. I was just there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, today. I literally I just came back from Phoenix. Just put that together. I Not that it matters, but like it just connected. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. It was warm in Phoenix. I enjoyed it. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they legit shipped him off to Phoenix. It wasn't even something of like, oh, you can just stay with your brother because he's a cop. Oh, no, it was GTFO out of Chicago. Well, and the thing, too, so, okay, obviously, like, now he's back. He's back from Phoenix. And Natalie acts like nothing was wrong and, like, we're not going to have a discussion about how Will lied to her for months. And, like, presumably because she hasn't been able to talk to him, they haven't talked about it. So she was just going to, like, let him back into her house and put the wedding back on with like out having a conversation about it. Well, what about how when he showed back up, she was like, "I've been so angry with you," and then two seconds later, it's like, "Well, that's what I'm saying." Like a giant hug. That's what I'm saying. It's like I thought when she said she's like, "I've been so mad at you," I was like, "Oh yes, here we go, Natalie, lay it out on him, tell him what yeah. is wrong, like, oh, just like <laughs> give it to him." And then she was like. I don't remember at what point she said this, but it's, she's like, we've got to decide another date for the wedding. And I was like, and then I was like, okay, there's probably still going to be at least one more scene with them. Like maybe she'll bring it up then. And then they went in a completely different direction, but like still no talk about the fact that he lied to her for months. And I was like, no oh, shit, Manstead's still Manstudding. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We just skipped right ahead to like a certain part, but I mean, Okay, so basically, we find out at the end that Will bought a gun. So basically, he spent two months in Phoenix at, like, a shooting range. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, this is legit, because when Agent Lee goes to find Natalie and tell her what's up, she's like, listen, he has to readjust. Like, things have changed. He's been through some shit, is basically what's gone down. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Will bought a gun. And honestly, I see both sides of that argument. I see why Natalie kicked him out. I see why Will got the gun. I, I was going to say the same thing. Like, I completely agree. I see why Natalie, you know, especially with having no one in the house, like, why she doesn't want to have a gun in the house. Like, I completely get that. And she's valid mm-hmm. in her own right. But I also, you know, like you said, Will's been through a lot of shit. And he is just a afraid and he has to figure it out and he's totally valid that like he wants to be able to protect himself should some shit go wrong and that's also completely valid so they're in a very big crossroads but I can see both sides yeah same and also I mean Will is not his brother he's not used to having a gun pointed at him right so I mean that probably really fucked him up what he went through right he's definitely experiencing some form of PTSD I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's not his brother. I mean, he he didn't, But even you know, he wasn't. But even obviously, like, if it was Jay, like, those kind of things are never, I mean, it's probably a little bit easier for Jay just because Jay carries a gun on him all the time. So, like, and he has guns pointed at him a lot. But, you know, it's not easy for even someone like Jay. So, especially someone who's not used to it, it's definitely not okay. And not, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but yeah. But I mean, and that's the other thing too, is like, you know, one of my friends had asked, or, you know, we had talked about the Natalie and Will stuff. And I think Natalie does not realize the magnitude of what Will went through. Because she hasn't asked him about it. She hasn't had time. I, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but that's what I, that I think is why I was so frustrated that like she was just so willing to bring him back in the house and like put the wedding back on was because like she doesn't know what he went through. She doesn't know anything because the FBI won't tell her anything. I mean, assuming mm-hmm. we don't really know what they told her, but like he was in protective custody for two months in fucking Phoenix. So like, I'm sure they haven't told her that much, but mm-hmm. so that's why I like, I just needed them to have a conversation and Natalie be like, I'm really angry at you. Just tell me what a, why, what happened be like why you did what you did and like see why you didn't think you could tell me about it. Yeah. And I, I feel like we'll probably get that in the coming weeks now that, you know, cause I mean, Will was just like, fine. I can't have the gun in the house. Peace out. Bye. So I'm sure we'll get, we'll get a scene like that. I just want to see Will sit her down and be like, listen, this is what happened on our wedding day. Like it was traumatic. Yeah. that's the deal yeah i mean she doesn't understand what he's been through and so she instead she's like she's freaking out about the gun which again i completely understand but she doesn't understand why he has it right agree i think it's gonna be hard for him to open up though um i i don't know i mean i don't think we've ever really seen just will open up just because i feel like it's hard i mean from what I know and what I've seen on television, it's hard for anyone with PTSD to open up. Mm-hmm. Just because it, I mean, it, it's traumatic. Like, what they went through is traumatic. So not yeah. necessarily that Will is someone who won't open up, but, like, because PT, PTSD in itself is traumatic and makes it hard for people to open up. Plus, he probably feels a lot of guilt, too. Yeah. Which... Mm. on the one hand like I kind of think he should feel a little guilty about it but not totally I mean knowing Will he's probably beating himself up over it he's probably guilty to the point that he's just like repeatedly just beating himself up right and that is hurting him physically and mentally yes and I don't agree to that extent I think he should feel a little guilty just because like technically did bring a lot of these things on himself and had he just like talked to Natalie about it and talked to Jay a little bit more like probably could have avoided a lot of this but I don't think he should feel guilty to the fact that he's beating himself over it and probably is like injured mentally and physically about it yeah I'm just hoping that Natalie can kind of put her ego aside and take the time to listen to him and understand what has happened to him. But she's not, right? Like, we all know, like, the storyline is probably going to be she's not going to, and she's going to turn to Ian Harding's character, who I cannot remember his name. I can't either. And so I'm just going to call him Ian Harding's character. And so she's going to turn to him, and he's going to, they're going to be able to open up to each other, and she's going to close Will out in the process. It's how I envision this going. I don't know anything beyond what we saw, but, like, that's how I envision this going. So they're basically just going to do exactly what Stellaride's doing? Yes. Well, no. Well, <laughs> Stellaride isn't turning to other people yet. 
But, like, in terms of closing each other out, yes. <sighs> to an extent. Damn it, Manstead. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was a strong episode of Med, though. I really liked it. All of these episodes all were these really things. strong. All three episodes they were very, were very strong. strong coming back. But, yes, this was mm-hmm. an especially strong episode of Med. Yeah. We also got to see Gwen and she is in fact pregnant. I also forgot about that. Yes. Um, at the gala. Yeah. Yes. She is in fact pregnant. This is Cause... like the slowest moving pregnancy ever. But yes, she is in fact pregnant. Yep. Hmm. Any other notes about Med? No, I think that's it. So moving on to Fire. Yep. Last we left everybody, we'd gone This Is Us on Casey, and his house was on fire. Because somebody let the, somebody left the crockpot plugged in. And by leaving the crockpot plugged in, I mean somebody torched the place. Well, literally the first thing when I, like, when this episode opens, the first thing I started thinking about was, like, The Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. <laughs> like, I wrote in our outline, it burns, burns, burns. The Dossie Apartment. The Dossie Apartment. <laughs> That's literally the first thing. I, it's, like, what I kept singing to myself over and over. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I thought to my, like, I thought back to, like, all the other TV fires I've, like, ever seen. So, of course, I was thinking This Is Us. I was thinking One Tree Hill when Dan's dealership went up in flames. Like, yeah. just all of it. Oh, man. Yeah. But... Casey is Casey and he's just cool, calm and collected. And I love how Casey's apartment is burning down. Like literally all of his life is burning in this apartment. And like, he's still a firefighter first and foremost and like, make sure everyone else is okay and gets out. Oh yeah. Because yeah. he's Casey. And like, you also, you could also like see the switch in him when he was like, like, I mean, he woke up and he was like, Oh shit, fire. And he woke Naomi up. And when Naomi was like, are we trapped in here? He was like, okay, I got this. Calm down. Yeah, Matt's a firefighter. We're cool. Right, like, not that you want to be, like, in a f- the middle of a fire, like, ever, but, like, if you want to be in the middle of fire, you want to be in the middle of fire with a firefighter. So, yeah. Yes. I'm also half tempted to learn what he was looking for when, like, when he's knocking on the wall like that, like, what was he looking for? Because I feel like I should know how to do that now in case of emergency. <laughs> and, like, be able to, like, <laughs> kick through the wall. So you can get yeah, out. Yeah, like, now granted, I have a balcony. I live on the second floor. I could just jump off the balcony. And if I break an ankle, at least I'm not dead in a fire, right? <laughs> but, you know, he, I mean, he grabbed, like, the rod from the closet. And then, like, he knocked on the wall and just poked through it. And I'm like, that's handy. What What were you listening for? I need to know this for, like, survival skills. That's funny. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was yeah. I mean, and the cliffhanger, we were like, oh, shit, I hope they're okay. And Casey got out of there in, like, two seconds. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we all knew they were going to be okay. At least not die. Like, whether they were not injured, I, we don't know. But, like, we all knew they were going to be okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah. It's just they got out there faster than I was thinking they would. But <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's like there's, like, a personal record for that or something. And Casey's like, I beat it this time. Yes. It's like an escape room or Goodness. something. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago Fire Escape Room. <laughs> Oh, man. Matt Casey, Escape Room Champ 2019. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so if you had to do an escape room with anybody from the One Chicago shows, who would you want on your team? My gut 
says, well, can I say two? Well, you've got more than, like, you know, how many can you have in an escape room? Like, six, right? I don't know. I've never done one. I don't know. We usually, yeah, I've done, like, two. I mean, okay, so I, I would definitely want Casey, because obvious reasons. Severide. To stare at, yes. No. Um, <laughs> no. He's really smart. No, I know. Halstead. Not Will. Jay. Jay? Okay. Why Why would we have Jay in an escape room? I just feel like, I don't know. Just Jay is just, like, the person. I don't know. Jay's the person. When, like, with all his army um, background, like, I just feel like Jay would be a good person to have in an escape room. Maggie would be a good one. Because yes. Maggie is good at deploying people and being like, do this, do that, go over here, go over there. Okay, so we got Maggie, Casey Severide, Jay. Jay. So let's pick two more. Okay. Ideal escape room team. Burgess, because she never quits. Dr. Charles? Just to calm everyone down? Well, because he's smart as hell. He is smart as hell. I feel like he'd be good at puzzles. God, he would hate the escape room, though. Casey Severide, Maggie J. Burgess. Burgess. thinking I was trying to think about someone else from med but I don't know I mean Dr. Charles is my first thought god he would hate an escape room (laughs) maybe April because April and Maggie make a good team and they're really funny together Uh, that's a good choice it's a good choice. Yeah, listeners, let us know who would you want in your one Chicago escape room. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. form teams. Yeah, let us know. Form teams. It could be anyone. <laughs> I never thought of the apartment like an escape room, though. I love that. <laughs> I, I just I have escape room on my brain because there was a profile on one of the Wizards players that just came out. And the girl who wrote it took him and his wife and, like, his friends or whatever to an escape room. And, like, the idea behind it was because he's, like, a glue guy on our team and, like, is the ideal of a good teammate. And so, obviously, in an escape room, you have to be, like, a good teammate and work together. So, they, like, took him to an escape room and, like, that was kind of, like, the basis of this profile. So, I have, like, escape rooms on the brain. So, like, I don't know. It, like, seeped in. I don't know. Their escape rooms are interesting. Like... They're interesting because like I've done two and one of them we got out of and one of them we did not. <laughs> but the the one we didn't get out of, I mean, we worked really well as a team. We just got stumped. But the second one, we hit a point in the middle of it where there was a puzzle we just could not solve. And we just got so sick of it that we started like sniping at each other because we were getting so mad. And that's the one you got out of? But, that is the one we got out of because then one of one of our friends like took control and I was just like standing in the corner like, fuck this. Let's go. I'm mad. I want to leave. Yeah. But yeah, we, we got out of that one. The first one was, 
you know, there was like a number hidden on the wall that we didn't see. But escape rooms can be fun. Not when it's your apartment and your apartment is burning, but escape rooms can be fun. Yeah, I, yeah, I've never done one. I don't know (laughs) if I'd want to, but. How did you feel about Casey and Naomi going rogue and investigating the fire themselves? I mean, good for them. Like, no one wants to wait around and, like, wait for authorities to do it the way they want to do it and, like, take their time. It's not their lives on the line. You know, it's Casey and Naomi's and they want justice to be served and they got it. And they just, they make, they make just such a good team. Like, they just work really well together. And I'm going to miss her. I know. I know. Because she's gone. And I'm just. She is gone. I'm just, all the feels. She is off to Switzerland. No. Oh, yes. Yes. To Zurich. Yes. (laughs) She hit it and quit it, didn't she? Yeah. Damn. Although I have a question, I ha- I would like to know what publication she. I mean, I guess she freelances, but like, there is no way you're writing about tractor trailer fires in Chicago and then going to Zurich for some kind of profile. Like, never do those kind of like. You would never get those kind of assignments, like ever, for the same publication. She she probably does freelance, but remember, she also worked in politics, too, so she's probably got a good rep. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, if she has a job as, like, one thing, no way in mm-hmm. hell would they have her write pieces that she would, the freelance stuff that, not the freelance stuff, but this stuff, and then also be able to go to fucking Zurich and report on whatever she's going to report on. Like, it just does not work, know. but whatever. Okay, that's the journalist <laughs> in me. It does not happen. Like, if you're going to Zurich, I mean, you are not writing about something as, like, small as tractor-trailer fires. <laughs> like, you just weren't. I know. I am going to miss her, though. I'm really going to miss her. And I love, I mean, I love the, I, it was, they were just the victim of bad timing. Like, I, re- like, <laughs> not that I'm, like, always going to be on Naomi forever, but, like, Right now, I'm at Naomi forever, so, like, I really think it was the victim of, like, bad timing. Didn't we just say that about another one Chicago couple not too long ago, that they were the victim of bad timing? Who recently broke up? Dossie. Uh, no, but that wasn't it. We weren't saying they were a victim of bad timing, though. I mean, they kind of were. Mean, kind of. Maria came Maybe at a bad we did time. say that about them. I feel like we said that recently. But Casey and Naomi, I really feel, I mean, because she, I mean, they even said, you know, she's like, obviously she's really excited to go on her thing, but she's like, you know, what's not so great is cutting her time short. Like, I just wish there had been more of it. And he's like, same here. What I did love about that moment, because they were, you know, going through the remnants of the Dossie apartment. I loved how Naomi was like, it's just stuff. Like, it's time to go make new memories. Yeah. She's so good for him. I'm sorry. I'm, like, still yeah. on this board. I'm, like, hitting my water bottle on my bed, like, making my point. I kind of just want to start keeping a list of the girls that Casey is with, like, post-Dossie, just to see, like, who we like better, see if we keep coming back to Naomi. We might. Well, and it's funny. So, going back to around the Naomi thing, so obviously Casey's homeless now, 
And mm-hmm. Severide, of course, is like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, come move in with me. Um, so they're roommates again. And JP Pop Culture was like, will roommates Casey and Kelly hoe all over Chicago? <laughs> I hope not. I don't think Kelly will. Casey, I don't know, but I hope not. You don't think Kelly will hoe around? He's chewing his feelings. He didn't want to break up with Stella. Kelly's like Eeyore right now. Yeah, I, yes. Kelly is Eeyore. But that's, I don't, he didn't want to break up with Stella. He's going to put all of his energy into the boat and bonding with this kid, which we're going to get to. But Kelly, I don't think he's going to hoe around. Casey, on the other hand, I don't know. You think Casey has that in him? I don't know if hoeing, I don't know if I'd use the word hoe around. Maybe like two girls or like. He, I wouldn't put it past him to, like, have some one-night stands. Because he's had some. Like, or he had one. Beth Pridgen? Yeah. I guess she wasn't really even a one-night stand, but we, you know what I'm trying to say. Casual mm. sex. So, basically, that, de- that, that apartment is going to be just, like, a hot mess. Because you're going to have Kelly moping all over the place. And then Casey sleeping with random girls. Uh-huh. Yikes. Uh-huh. Yep. That sounds awful. And then hopefully some cigar chats in between. Hopefully, but like cigar chats where they're talking sense into each other, not like enabling each other into doing all this bad shit. Who knows? Man. But I am totally excited for them being roommates again. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I love it. So what about Stellar Ride? I don't even. I, I know. I, I don't even know. Like, I knew they were going to have problems, but like, I don't like, okay, what do you think about what happened at the end? Let's just skip to the end. We'll come back to Kelly and the kid. Let's just <sighs> skip to the end. All right. So that end scene. When it happened, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. But then I thought about it some more and I get Stella's reasoning. Because she's been through this before with Grant and this is becoming a relationship that's toxic to her. And she knows what it did to her the last time. So she's not going to do it again. Yes. But, but I think her words were pretty harsh. I agree. Here's my only thing. is like I agree that when a relationship is starting to become toxic, like you need to get out. And she, Grant was clearly toxic and she's starting to see similarities. Not necessarily saying it's the exact same thing, but seeing similarities between what she's going through with Kelly and what she's going through with Grant. And like she just doesn't, she wants to cut it out before it becomes a problem. And I get that. Like you said, I get her reasoning. But then... Part of, like, a little part of me, too, is, like, well, if, like, you're really trying to make something work, then, like, you've got to try to, like, stick it out a little bit before you just give up on it completely and not try to go through the hard things. Because, like, what's going to happen, assuming they, we all know eventually they'll get back together, but, like, you're going to go through challenges in life, and if you can't even, like, figure it out then like what's the point of being together at all well I think part of that is you know 
I I think part of her not wanting to fight anymore came from their conversation at the beginning of the episode because he was really an asshole to her in that first scene. What when he she's like I can't do all the work here and he's like well maybe it shouldn't be this much work or whatever. Yeah, that scene. And I I I initially thought he had said maybe you shouldn't be this much work and I was like Kelly, I, yeah, I did you too. Yeah. asshole. Yeah. It he said maybe it shouldn't be this much work which is still not the response, but yeah. I think hearing him say that made Stella be like, okay, like you want to talk that way? That's how you want to treat me? Okay, I'm done. Yeah. So. I just think from Kelly's perspective, I, yeah. it looks like, well, shit, this girl who I love is not, like, I know I'm being an asshole and, like, that's just kind of in some ways, like, my personality, but, like, this girl says she loves me and, like, wants to be committed to me and, like, she can't – I know what she went through with Grant, but, like, she can't even, like, try to work this out. Like, which is what I think he thought she was going to say. Like, he seemed like it was going to be, like, a, look, I know we all fucked up, but, like, I'm sorry and, like, let's try to work through this. That's what I think he was thinking that conversation was going to be. I think that's what all of us thought that conversation was going to be. Yeah. And so when... Especially coming off of what had happened with Tyler. Right. Right. They both realized that they both fucked up and that they still had a lot of shit to work out, but they were going to work it out. And so when he got that, it's like, oh shit, like, she's not actually committed to it. Not saying that he doesn't blame her for, like, if she feels like it's Grant, then, like, he probably does think deep down that, like, she should get herself out of it. But, like, he's Mm. also just hurt because he sees it as her not believing in him. Yeah, yeah. I think she's stopped believing in him. Well, and I feel like he's just, I mean, like, the fact that she would even compare him to Grant, not that saying she thinks that he's going to, like, try to kill her, like Grant did, but the fact that she even sees him in, she's Grant and Kelly is got to be a blow to his, him. That's why I think her words were really harsh, because I was like, really? Like, you know he's in a dark place, but that's still kind of harsh. When she said that, you know, she's been the lifeline for a drowning man before, I was like... That was harsh. That was not... That was that was harsh. Yeah, I was like, this is not that, Stella. Like, you, this is Kelly. He does this from time to time, and you know that. Right. Like, to me, Grant was... I mean, Grant was sick. Like, Grant actually had issues and problems. Like, Grant Grant had issues and problems that continually brought him down. That were, like, actual, right. like, he was sick. Kelly is not, as far as we know, Kelly has not been diagnosed with any kind of, like, depression or anything. So, Kelly is not sick. Kelly just isn't a fuck because of everything that is going on in his life. Yeah, he's not sick. He just he's self-destructive and he knows that. Right. Everybody at 51 knows right. that. Whereas Grant was actually sick. Yeah, he's not he's not Grant and I think she knows that, but I think she's she needed a reason to break it off. And yeah. so I mean, who knows what she's feeling? But I don't know. It's, you know, she says she's like, she's like, "Oh, it's not about Tyler." blah blah blah. I think it's a mix of Tyler and Benny passing away. I think it's just kind of that is being the victim of bad timing right there. 
Yeah. Is that they they both kind of happened at the same time. Yeah. Well, so we got some tweets from, uh, this was like a big hot button Twitter thing. So we yeah. got a tweet from Kristen and she said, all he had to do, all he probably had to do was stop her for once and say something about how he actually feels and she probably would have stayed. But no, again, he just lets her walk away. Right, like, I keep going back to that scene after Dossie's first breakup when he looked at Matt and was like, you need to fight for her. You need to take your own advice. Well, and it's funny kind of going off of that. So we got a DM from Kristen C. And she said, different Kristen's, spelled differently, different Kristen's. Kristen C is this DM. And she said, they're basically repeating season three Dossie, though. So I have to, so I have faith. Kelly, blah, 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 blah. Just letting Stella walk away was so frustrating, but also on brand for him. I do feel like he's about to have his peace away or people always leave moment. I love that everybody brings it back to One Tree Hill. (laughs) She's not wrong. Like, he's about to have, like, a people always leave, like, what the fuck am I doing with my life moment. Wouldn't be the first time, if I remember correctly. What are you thinking of? Well, like, remember after Anna died and then Dossie got, or no, actually, Dossie got married and then Anna came into play. But, I mean, he had one of those sort of, like, midlife crises, like, after Dossie got married and he was like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. and But I think now it's going to be slightly, di- just like a slightly different tone of, like, people always leave. Mm-hmm. Which is true. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. Shay, Anna, Benny. Now Stella. Yeah. Stella, to an extent, Stella didn't die, but, like, she left. Yeah, that's completely correct. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he just, he didn't, he just kind of stood there. I mean, she broke up with him. She was like, I can't do this anymore. She left, and Kelly said nothing. Yeah. But then we also got a tweet from Sunflower T1739. I think they are both at fault for the demise of that relationship, and I wish people would stop pulling all the blame on Kelly. I... True. I agree. Yes. Agree. We. I mean, we mm-hmm. were just talking about that. Like, we definitely think Stella is also partially to blame. Well, and it bugs me that Stella was like, "You've got to stop being so jealous and possessive." I'm like, he's not doing anything. He's not being jealous and possessive when he says nothing. He's just pointing out something that you can't see for yourself. Right. He was never jealous and possessive ever. Mm-mm. I mean, she apologized for that. She did. I mean, she realized she's like, it, you know, like, you were right about Tyler. But, like, I wonder what about that Tyler thing made her go break up with him. No, I'm just thinking back about it. I don't know. Maybe the Tyler thing was just too much for her. I think it just made her look at, re-look, because obviously Kelly had been saying that it, you know, Tyler's in love with you, Tyler's in love with you, or whatever he said. And she was like, no, he's not, no, he's not. So, like, she finally started just thinking about what Kelly said, and then I get, I guess just started thinking about, like, where Kelly's head's at. That, like, he can see that yeah. Tyler's in love with her and, like, confront her about that but like he can't confront her about like what's going on with him and like what's going on with their relationship so like maybe he just started made her start to think maybe like i don't think so it was necessarily something you... about like tyler except for the fact that like, kelly was right yeah 
Yeah. So what do you think is ahead for them? I mean, do you think Stella just just like that kind of blocks him out? Do When do they get back together? Is this going to be like a Berzik thing where we're three years and counting now? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I see them getting back together before the season's over. Boo. Like, Kelly has a lot of shit to work out. But is he going to, though? He never does. Like, I don't know. I don't when you know. said before that Kelly's, yeah, I mean, when you were talking before and you were saying, you know, like, Kelly's not sick or anything, not that having depression makes you sick. Right. I but it, he probably has some undiagnosed depression. Oh, no, for sure. I'm just saying, like, we, it's never actually been thrown out there that, like, he has depression or has some sort of underlying depression. So I just didn't want to call mm-hmm. him sick and like you said not that that makes someone sick but like do you know what I'm just trying to use it as like a differentiating yeah yeah thing um yeah no I know exactly what you're saying but I I I don't know and that's the thing too that's where I'm kind of gonna be like frustrated with all this it's like this is not like if for the love of his life assuming that we all like Stella is it that we all think it is but like assuming Stella is it that like Kelly has lost her and he won't change then like what are we doing here like what are we honestly yeah. doing here like exactly like, why i don't want to go through another cycle i mean i'll go through the cycle if this is like it and it ends up with them together like if it is like him realizing like oh shit like people always leave but stella has stella has left but she hasn't actually left like i still have a chance like, mm-hmm. let me get my shit together. But I don't know. Kelly needs to see a therapist. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of unknown things, like, things I'm curious about. Okay. So this kid. Mm-hmm. So the other kind of B storyline for Kelly or whatever is basically Kelly restores boats and some really rich guy got his number from his friend at the marina or whatever. And Kelly's in his, like, not wanting to spend time with Stella because he's in his feelings thing, agrees to restore this boat. Um, I mean, but also for $15,000, like, I would too. So can't really blame him. Um, Plus, I feel like most firefighters have some kind of, like, secondary job because they have, like, their schedule's really weird and they have all that free time, more free time in bigger chunks. So a lot of them take second jobs. So it's not that crazy, but I can't really blame him. But then, so of course, so Kelly starts working on it. He's like day one. And this guy has a son who's kind of being neglected because the dad's like all into his girlfriend or whatever. So of course, Kelly, the kid is like interested in the boat and at, like basically like ask Kelly if he can like hang out and work on it. And Kelly's like, yeah, like shows him what to do and whatever. And we all know Kelly's going to get attached to this kid. Oh, of course. Kelly gets attached to all of the kids. But he's just, he needs, I don't know. I, I, side note, Kelly just with ahead. kids just, like, makes my ovaries burst, like, every time. Like, does he not? Like. No, I, I yeah, it's, 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 every time there's a kid involved, I'm like, this is perfect. I'm just like, get this, somebody needs to get this man a baby. Like, he needs a baby, like, he needs he, a kid. Not even a baby, yeah, he's just like he, a kid. 
He doesn't treat the kids like they're kids. He treats them like they're adults. Yeah. God, he's going to be the best father. If he can ever get his act together, yes. But that's what I'm saying. So another thing, like, how does this end? Like, with the kid? Like, what, like... That's what I'm wondering, too, is where this goes. But I do remember seeing an episode description that said that something shady is going to come up with this guy at some point. So things are going to take a turn with this whole boat repair thing. Like, as in, like, the dad is in shady business, so, like, he's going to have to go away in jail and the kid's going to be homeless, kind of, like, or an orphan kind of thing? In our dreams, okay? That's, like, our ideal storyline right there is Kelly, like, adopting a kid. That's what I'm saying! But, like, I just, like... I don't know. I don't see... If that's not the case, which sounds terrible, that, like, I want this so bad that I can't see any other option. But, like, that's kind of true. But, like... I just don't see, like, what's the point of this storyline, then, if, like, that's not what's going to happen. I don't know. Especially the kid part. Like, if if it was just for Kelly to have a way to, like, put his frustrations out, like, channel all of his frustrations into fixing a boat, okay, fine. That's one storyline. But, like, to throw a kid in the mix? Like, what's the point of throwing a kid in the mix? I don't know. This is one of those times, and these don't happen very often, where I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen or where it's going to go, but I'm okay with it. All I can think, the only, again, this is just me, like, chant, like putting my thoughts and feelings out into the world, trying to manifest them. It's just, like, <laughs> I just need Kelly to foster this kid. And maybe I'm just, like, very in, like, a foster's good trouble, like, thing i don't know but like that's on my brain and so like maybe that's why i'm thinking about this too i don't really know you know this is not the first time you've wanted kelly to foster a kid right yes but like i think especially because i'm in a foster's good trouble mood it's like definitely on my brain but no it is not the first time and it will not be the last time new hulu show what good trouble is that that new hulu show it's freeform it's the spinoff of the fosters oh i didn't realize the fosters got a spinoff Mm-hmm. It was, I was announced before they had, like, even, like, technically premiered the series finale. But, yeah. It just premiered. So, it's, like, on my brain. I don't know why I thought that was on Hulu. But I mean, because they, they they dropped the first episode a week ahead on Hulu. That's why. Uh, That's why. Maybe why. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where this is going to go with the boat repair thing. I'm, I'm kind of okay with it, though, because it could go a number of ways. You know, the dad could be a criminal. Or Kelly might save the kid from something having to do with the dad. Or I could go a couple different ways, but I'm actually okay with it. Ooh, that's an interesting theory. I was, so I rewatched the episode when I was in the airport today. Because again, I was on an airplane like all afternoon. Um, I rewatched the episode and I was just kind of listening for clues or anything of where this could go. And I remember the dad saying like, oh, the kid's name is Riley. He's like, Riley loves anything having to do with the water. I'm like, okay. Oh, noted. Yeah. Well, that's kind of weird. That like the first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh, well, the kid's going to be involved with the boat somehow." Mm-hmm. So, but it's that's interesting. Go a little like Jay Halstead and like wanting clues. to save all the kids. Interesting. <sighs> yes, yes. Interesting. I mean, all I know is that we're about to get more Kelly with kids, and I'm totally okay with it. Yeah, we're about to be blessed with a bunch of Severide Casey bromance and Kelly with kids. This back half of the season's looking pretty great, even without the Stellaride of it all. Yeah, it sucks for Stellaride, but it's great good for us. we Severide fans. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. 
But yeah, we also had a little comedy B story in there. That was pretty funny. Um, oh, Brett. Just... No, oh, Brett, Brett, I know. But I knew the minute that he showed the brochure, I was like, these are old people. They're not seniors. They're not high school seniors. It took me a second. But, like, as soon as that bus pulled up, I knew it was senior citizens. Because, like, only old people drive around in buses like that. <laughs> Plus, the senior class is not going to have a bus that specifically says Lincoln Park Seniors. <laughs> that's true. I didn't even pay attention to that, but that's true. But my favorite part of the whole thing, though, was, like, Cat playing Push It, and they, like, pulled up. I didn't really pay attention to it. I don't get the song choice, though. (laughs) I don't either. But especially, I think, because, like, I disassociate Push It with Glee and, like, the image of sex, obviously, just, like, with that (laughs) whole scene, the way it went down in Glee. So, like, Cat playing Push It when the senior citizens are pulling up, like, Cat just had me dying. It was just too funny. It's such a cat move too it's such a cat move that's funny well then he had a good like one-liner when uh somebody was asking like what's the point of the obstacle course and cap just like gets off whatever like monkey bars he's on or something he gets off and he's like it's edutainment <laughs> i was like oh, cap. well my favorite part so too funny. like brett's cheer when they like the senior citizens pull up they realize it's yes. senior citizens and she's just like Go to Chicago Fire Department. Go, go, go. Whatever her cheer was. I don't know what the cheer was. But, like, she's just like, yeah, team. <laughs> that was really that was funny. funny. That was pretty funny, yeah. I love when she did the cheer the first time and Cruz was like, no, Brett. Just no. 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 And then Match, no. how, like, Match knew love- the whole time. Match was like, they're like, did you know the whole time? He's like, yeah, duh. They come every, like, three years. <laughs> He's like, they just like tacos. Like, just feed them. And He's that's like, it. just feed them and show them the video and move on. <laughs> I also liked um, that we got a Cindy Herman sighting. That yes. was sweet. Yes. And how she took care of Casey. Yes, that was really sweet. Because they're the best. That was cute. And Casey was just like, you didn't have to pass the boot. And they were like, we've got your back. I was like, oh, they're so cute. All the feels. But I love Cindy. And Cindy was like, she would. She went full Cindy on Casey. She was like, there you are, you poor thing. Yeah, well, then when she was, like, trying to get the others to buy into Brett's idea, and then someone was like, she paid you, right? And Cindy just, like, walked away. Like, hell yeah, she paid me, but I don't care. Oh, Cindy Herman. I love her. So, so much. She's the best. It was a good episode of Fire. It was. It was really good. good. Lots to... So. see what happens to wait and see what happens yeah and i haven't seen the promos for med or fire yet for next week so i'm gonna have to look those up and see what we're facing yeah i forgot to google those i googled the pd one though after you texted me about it um yeah we need to talk about we that will but after that. we talk about the episode and there's a lot to unpack with pd oh lordy oh my god there's so much to talk about with pd Okay, so if you don't remember where we left off, A, you probably blocked it from memory, and I don't judge, um, and B, it was crazy. Um, Antonio killed a guy, for those of us who don't remember. There's really no other way to put it than Antonio killed a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, cut to now, and Adam is trying to take the fall. Fucking Adam. Good God. You loyal <laughs> son of a bitch. I wouldn't have a problem with this if we hadn't just lost Al 
for the very same reason. Al's loyalty got him killed. Yeah. Yeah. And here's Adam trying to basically make history repeat itself. Well, it's not, I think it's, but I mean, it's like the same thing. It's like Voight didn't even tell him to do that. Voight, in fact, told him the opposite was like, I'm going to take the fall for this. Like, I can get away with it, whatever. And then Voight is expecting Adam to say that Voight did it or whatever. And then Adam's like, no, it was me or whatever his, whatever the situation was. But like, (sighs) oh man. It's crazy. It's crazy. Should we just talk about all the Adam stuff? One thing I'll just mention, because I don't know if it'll come back up at some point, but there was a moment Mm -hmm. where Jay says, like, early on, like, kind of talking about all of it, he's like, I don't know if I'm okay with any of it, but I think the best way to protect everyone is to not talk about it. Like, is that the unofficial intelligence motto? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Like, I heard that. Or not even just. I was just like, oh, man, Jay, speaking the truth. Yeah, or not even to just not talk about it. Just, like, if you don't know anything about it, just, like, turn a blind eye. Like, yeah. just pretend, like, ignorance is bliss almost. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, the whole episode is Adam trying to take the fall for this. And, I mean, of course, things are starting to fall apart because, you know, they find blood on the wall. And surprise, surprise, it's not Adam's. You know why? Because he wasn't bleeding at all. So, I mean, there's holes in the story. Things are crazy. And obviously, Haley is pretty worried about the whole thing. My whole issue with this is that, you know, he and Haley have that conversation in whatever room it is. And, you know, Adam's like, do you think that this is just some notion that I live by? Like, no, these are not just words. And so I'm thinking this through, and yeah, I mean, he really abides by this code of loyalty and this code of ethics, and all I'm thinking in my head is, where the hell is this coming from? What do you mean, where the hell is it coming from? I mean, because Adam came to intelligence right out of the academy, right? So it's not like he was with some muted in the past where he experienced something where he had to cover for somebody or anything like that. He's right out of the academy. Where does this unconditional loyalty to the point of being willing to go to jail for your boss where is this coming from i mean when you go through so much like as much shit that they've all been through over the past six years or whatever i'm sure there's a time jump like six and a half seven years probably with all the time jumps like you go through shit like it's not completely crazy to me to think that he's so loyal i mean maybe to like put like consider going to jail i don't know but like it doesn't surprise me that he's so loyal. I don't think Jay or Kevin or Kim would do the same thing. No, I don't either. I don't think any of them But would. I think, so this was Patty. So Emily, Emily Longaretta did the Lord's work and she talked to Jesse and Patty and so there's a bunch of stuff we have in our outline with, like, quotes from this. So, And I don't remember her exact question, but she basically asked the same thing, something similar. And Patty's answer was, I'm going to read it word for word. So he says, I mean, being a cop and part of this intelligence unit has become the core of who he is as a man. His job, his intelligent family, and the feeling like he's an agent, an agent for good, even if his methods are sometimes unfortunate and misguided, are kind of his lifeblood. That's exactly why he's willing to do anything for Voight and his team, even if it means ruining the rest of his life. 
I think he believes that the rest of the team, if push comes to shove, would make the exact same decision he made if they were in his position. Which I don't believe with the last part, but I definitely believe with, like, I mean, it just becomes so ingrained in him. Like, it's all he knows at this point. Yeah, and I'm wondering if there, I mean, I'm wondering how his father's unit functioned when he was a child. Like, maybe he saw something like that Mm -hmm. at some point. But I do love Patty's answer. And he goes on and he says a little bit more in there about how, like, you know, Al's death kind of was a I loss it, of innocence I have Adam. it up here. So, yeah. So, I have that part up here. So, when we're talking about, like, because we had in our thing, like, what Al's death meant to Adam. And he says, he's like, Rusick, mm-hmm. on the other hand, isn't willing to risk Voight taking the blame and going down. He's not willing to risk losing another man he looks up to and loves. Voight is one of the three father figures in Adam's life. The other two being his own father and Al, who was his mentor. When Alinsky died, much of Ruzik's naivete died with him. His heart broke a bit, and then it hardened. I think Al's death made him grow up quick, and now he feels it's his duty to step into Alinsky's shoes as best he can and to protect Voight, who's always been so busy protecting others. Ugh. He feels like it's Adam's duty to take Al's spot. Oh, my heart. I'll just say real quick, <laughs> aside, Patty gives just, like, the best, most thoughtful answers. I love him. It's it's so good and so much good insight. But, yeah, like, the fact that he feels that Ruzik thinks that it's his job to step into Al's place, like, damn. My heart. It's crazy. But it makes sense. That is who Adam is. Well, and I think to some extent, too, I mean, obviously, I don't know what Patty's thinking. But, like, my feeling is that Rusick probably still feels a little bit guilty about the whole Denny situation. And not that Denny ended up killing Woods himself. Because that's or not Denny ended up killing Al himself. Because that's not the case. But Denny was around when Al got killed. And it definitely didn't make things easier on Voight. And Voight had to take certain precautions because Denny was always looking over his soldier. And so... And a lot of that was due to the fact that Adam, like, said he was going to help Denny and then kind of, like, backed away and, like, didn't help Denny. So, like, I think Adam, to some little extent, probably feels a little bit guilty. And that it was, like, in some way his fault. Yeah, I never even thought about that. Oh. Yikes. Yeah. That that answer from Patty, like, solved everything. Like, it just makes a lot of sense. Um, Yeah, it does. I mean, it hurts that it makes that much sense, but it, it, it makes a lot of sense. But I and and I'm glad that Emily asked him that too because I mean we've been wondering we haven't really seen you know any evidence of like what did Al's death mean to Adam we just kind of had to guess like it probably means a lot we but just, I love that Patty yeah, like set that straight I agree yeah and the fact like uh, when Alinsky died much of Ruzik's naivete died with him like damn mm-hmm. yeah so his heart broken then hardened yeah just like Patty with words. Damn. It's just so much insight. Yeah. So good. I love the way Patty's mind ticks. Yeah. Especially when it comes to Adam. Yeah. Mm hmm. So let's get into the upzick of it. Oh, Lord. Okay. Because Haley had a big, giant problem with what Adam was doing, much like the rest of us. Mm hmm. But. The big thing here is that Jay knows about Upsick, which I thought he had known about them before. So, like, I'm not really too blown away Can by it. Can we talk about, though, how, like, TV line led with Jay finding out about Upsick as the, like, 
main headline for their recap. Like, why deal. are we leading with... I mean, obviously, I know why, because it's clickbaity, but, like... And I love that we were texting last night about it, because I sent you that recap, and I was like, what the fuck? Why are they leading with this? And you were like, yeah. didn't he already know? Like, what was he then thinking when he was at Haley's house and Adam showed up? Like, did he really not think anything of Adam showing up? But, okay. Yeah, like, did he... Was I mean, I figured he already knew, because, like, why else would Adam have shown up at her apartment that night? I don't know. I mean, this definitely, like, I think was supposed to be the, like, official him finding out about it scene. But I agree. Like, well, what, he just assumed that Adam was showing up because they're friends? Like, uh, I think that's a little weird, but okay. I will say this, though, that the whole notion that Haley all of a sudden cares about Adam seemed pretty half-assed. It seemed like it was a last-ditch effort by the writers to be like, no, no, like, she actually cares about him. Let's, like, throw us off the scent. But do you think that – what do you think was the – okay. So going off of that, do you think it's such a yeah. last-ditch effort? What do you think came first? Like, do you think they really want to push the, like, Adam's loyalty be tested and, like, him possibly going to jail or whatever, whatever that storyline is? Or do you really think they really want to push Upsick and, like – they needed to figure out another way for, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what came first? And, like, what do you think they're trying to push? Yeah. Well, I, I think you bring up a really interesting point because, I, I mean, I put it in the outline as well is that, I mean, the what does this mean for Upsick? Because, obviously, Haley's got a big problem with this. She's like, I care about you. I don't want anything to happen to you. But I think if this episode showed us anything, it's that if Ruzik has to choose between the job and Haley, he's going to choose the job. It's a valid I I didn't think that necessarily when without you saying that, but since you've said it, like I I think I would agree with that. It's almost like they went in two different directions in this episode cuz up until now it's been like Adam really cares about Haley. Haley thinks this is something casual, and then all of a sudden they've crisscrossed. And so now Haley really cares about Adam, but Adam, I think, would put the job before her. But attention, so Patty told Emily, he was like, but they, he, like, it was some question about whatever, and then he ended the answer with, well, they definitely care about each other in a deeper way than either of them expected. I believe they'd like to hold on to it if they can. That's not what I'm seeing. But, I mean, just because I'm not seeing it doesn't mean others are not. Yeah. But I still think if push comes to shove and he has to choose the unit or her, he's going to choose the unit. Yeah. But then, so going back to the J of it all, so mm -hmm. Jay's face when he walks in, it was just like, okay, this is a thing I clearly didn't know about, whatever. But then we have that whole Upstead scene at the towards the end, and, you know, they basically just say, you know, like, Haley admits it to Jay, and then Jay's like, well, you didn't really need to tell me that. Like, it's none of my, I mean, you know, it's my business, but it's not really my business, whatever. And Jay says, you know, like, we're good, and we're always going to be good. I kind of loved that. I, I, yeah. But at the same time, I was a little confused, because the first time I watched it, I was like, what does he mean by that? I, it, it. I don't know. It became more clear to me after like the second or third time I watched that scene. But I don't know when he said he's like, I get it. OK, well, obviously, I get it means like been, been there, there, done yeah. that, dated Lindsay. She ghosted me. Yeah. 
and, you know, you didn't have to tell me that. Okay. But then he says, you know, we're good and we're always going to be good. I think that means I'm always going to have your back. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, regardless of what happens, like, I think it's different. Like, I, and I think it can be kind of hard. And I think what he was trying to tell her was just, you know, like, it can be kind of hard when you're all in a unit like this and everyone's so close and you have such individual relationships with every single person. But, like, at this point, like, he is, you know, like, Haley and Jay are partners, and that is a very different kind of relationship than he has with anyone else in the unit. And he has to have her back professionally, but he's going to have her back personally. And, like, whatever happens with Ruzik, like, yeah, he still might be bros with Ruzik, but, like, it doesn't mean that he's going to turn on Haley. Because, like, Haley and the, it, right. Haley has to be the most important person to him. In, Do you think Jay has feelings for Haley? I'm kind of starting to go there. I still think Haley has feelings for Jay. I'm kind of starting to. So here's the. Okay. So here's. Let's dive into this. Because there was a quote. There's some quotes from Jesse on this. And then Patty too. So Mm -hmm. what Jesse said. Jesse said a couple different things. So Jay says. Or Jesse says. Jay has definitely been put through the ringer the last couple of seasons. And Haley has always been there for him. I think he really trusts her and started to let her in. I think his feelings snuck up on him. So Jesse's approaching it from the fact that, like, Jay is starting to have feelings for her. Then he said, you know, he says, hmm. he really cares about her and the two of them are always leaning on each other. Where that goes or whether or not that changes, who knows. Yeah, I I would want clarification on that first part. Like, his feelings, are his feelings romantic or does he have feelings for her in that, you know, he really trusts her and is starting to let her in, like, on a friendly level? I don't think you I don't use, the word, I don't think you use the word feelings if you're not talking about romance. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, you would just say, we've been through a lot, I trust her. You, you would say something else. Because the vibe I got was that basically – Haley has feelings for Jay. That's why she reacted the way she did when he got shot in the crossover. Right. And I almost feel like she got with Ruzik to bury those feelings. I agree with all that. But I think Jay's face when he saw them, even though it wasn't like he walked in them making out or anything, but, like, it definitely took him by surprise. And whether that is his moment of, like, realizing, like, I don't like this, and, like, he doesn't know for sure what that means to him. But, like, he's starting to see, like, oh, shit, I didn't like that. And that was clearly more than just, like, a work argument. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. But that was definitely, like, a moment. But yeah. I think it's interesting, too. So Patty made a comment on the whole, like, Jay of it all. And basically he says, well, like, as for Ruzik, he doesn't have any idea that their connection might run a little deeper than being partners and friends. That Jay may or may not have feelings for Haley. If he had, he would have never gone there. Well, maybe he still would have had the first time. There was a lot of boost involved in that go around. (laughs) I can, like, hear Patty saying that. I know. Yeah. That's interesting that if he knew that, if he knew that Jay liked her, he would have backed off. Well, I mean, they're brothers, like... I think, not that Jay has acted on anything, but, like, I'm sure if it had been reversed, Jay would have done the same thing. Man. I know. It's a giant mess, but, I mean, yeah, so Upton cares about him now. How did you feel about Upton going to Voight? Oh, I don't. I know. 
Voight doesn't want this shit. And Voight and Haley have a really interesting relationship, too. It's weird. Yeah. I'd love to hear Tracy talk about it. Yeah. Hear what Tracy has to say. Yeah, and, like, what her perspective on it. Because, it, like you said, it's weird. It's like a bird. It's like. I almost felt like in this episode it was trying to be some weird version of the Aaron one. But it's not Aaron. And I've gotten that vibe before from Voight and Haley. It was, what, 502 when her old partner, like, committed suicide or something? Oh, it was, like, early season five. I don't think it was that early, but, yeah, it was early season five. I've gotten that vibe before, but it's just, it's weird with Voight and Haley. But I, I didn't like how she went to him. Like, she contemplated it, and then she went inside, and Voight was like, just stop. Please just stop. Whatever you're about to say, just stop. And she was like, do you really think I want to risk my career right now? That's out of character for Haley. Yeah. Because she's always been career, career, career. Like, do things by the book. Right. Like, don't risk anything, whatever. Yeah, and the way that Tracy has always described her is that, you know, she makes no apologies. Well, and here's the thing. I wouldn't even necessarily thought it was out of character if we had seen, like you said, up until this episode, the Ruzik-Haley relationship had been very much Ruzik is clearly more into Haley than Haley is into Ruzik. So if we had seen evidence of Haley being, having feelings or more than feeling, whatever we're calling it for Ruzik up until like leading up to this, then I wouldn't have thought necessarily that was out of character because we can clearly see that Haley just really cares about Ruzik. But because this was the first right. episode where we're seeing that, it's like, wait, what? Like, mm-hmm. where did this come from? Yeah. 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 I just can't believe that Adam's, like, going through with this. It's only going to end terribly. Can we say, though, Adam going to Trudy and Mouch's house was, like, the scene I didn't know I needed in my life until now. It was so great. It was, like, the best so great of this whole thing. Well, I loved how, you know, of course he went to her, but then he explained, he was like, you know, I, I, I've always trusted you, you know, I need your input here. And despite the advice that Platt gave him, he still went along with it. Yeah. But no, like, it's just the that scene was like, I didn't know I needed that in my life, but like, I definitely needed that. I love when Adam was like, it's so domestic. And he just looks at her or she just looks at him and is really? like, do you, do you want to talk? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what the hell? <laughs> so funny. But I wonder, I mean, where do you think this goes? which part all of it like how do you think this resolves itself does adam go down for the crime or like does somebody step in i know what i want to happen but whether that happens or not i don't know i want voight to go down for it you know what i'm wondering but i don't necessarily need that to be voight like leaving for good like i don't need that to be um Jason leaving for good because I feel like a lot of people feel like Mm -hmm. that if Voight were to go down for it then that means like Jason's gonna leave the show because like it's like setting up the whole rest of the season and then this season would end with Voight going down and whatever like I don't need that I just wanted to like flip the tables and see what stories come from like the leader who has led this unit the way it has for so long like you know put instilled all these values of like 
shadiness and loyalty and like getting away with things and whatever like when that leader isn't there anymore like how does this unit act i'm interested in that story so even if that means what comes back whatever that's fine but like i just i'm more interested in the stories like that so that's what i'd want it to be whether i think it goes there i don't know I'm wondering, because at the end of the episode, we saw Adam go before whatever acronym it was. Yeah. I'm blanking There's right like now. Again, all day on yeah. the plane. Yeah. yeah. But we saw that interspersed with Voight going to see Antonio, presumably at a rehab program. Yeah, I don't know what that was. And what was he telling him? I think he was telling him that he and Adam are covering for him. So I'm wondering if once Antonio gets his head on straight, if he's going to fess up. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. But then what happens to Antonio? Like, I don't want Antonio going anywhere. I mean, he'll probably make a deal or something to stick around. He's Antonio. He's never done anything bad before. I mean. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I know. It's all crazy. So crazy. It, it, just what an episode. It was nuts. But, I mean, and I mean, okay, so what do you think this means for Upzik, too? If he, in the long term, is she going to stay with him knowing that he could do this at any time? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. And I think, but I think even beyond well, okay, there's two parts to it, right? So there's the, does she stay with him knowing that he could do this and it could, you know, he could be in jail theoretically and, you know, whatever. But then there's also the part of it of, like, she has to deal with her feelings while Jay is presumably trying to figure out his feelings for her. But then Burgess is going to find out about it. So, like, throw in this, like, love square, whatever we're dealing with. Like, there's that whole mess of, like, what happens with Upsick. So there's, like, them as, like, their unit, and then there's them as, like, the two of them being a unit in a relationship, and then there's, like, what happens with them as in, like, the greater scheme of, like, when Jay and Burgess get thrown into it. Right, but did you also notice that one Burgess line that we had where she was like, hey, Sarge, and Sarge was like, he's like, that's all I'm going to talk about, and she's like, no, no, I want to know if Antonio's going to be okay. Yeah. That was interesting. That was, like, the writers being like, don't, don't even start with us, like... I don't know. I don't know. But so in terms of like the does Haley stick around knowing that like Adam's about to go through like professional hell. Um, I don't know. I'm presuming yes, just because we all know their story's not over. So like I'm presuming yes. Right. So and I think she I mean, like I said, I think her feelings started to scare her a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I think I think Upton was definitely taken by surprise that she was like, wait a second, I actually care about him. Crap. Yeah. So I think she sticks around. Yeah. So we got a lot of questions from our listeners about PD because it was crazy. Uh, one of our listeners, Haley, no relation to Upton. <laughs> she had a couple questions. So she said, if the Upsick situation had been reversed and it was Jay covering for Antonio instead of Adam, how do you think Haley would have responded? The same or worse? The same. 
Yeah, the same. I don't think it was necessarily worse, just because, like, we don't really know, like, beyond partners where they fall. But definitely the same. Mm -hmm. She would have flipped out. Yeah, and I don't think it would have been worse, because if she does have feelings for him, she's hiding them. Right. And we know that she's hiding them. Or we think she's hiding them. Yeah. 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 So Haley also asked, on the flip side, if it was Kim showing concern for Adam instead of Upton, how do you think she would have handled the situation? I don't think she would have had as strong of a reaction as Haley. Right. But I think she would have had a reaction. And I also think there would have been a little bit more respect from Voight if should Burgess have gone to Voight about it. Because we just all know yeah, their history, think, and Burgess and Voight have a very different li- relationship. Yeah, and Burgess would have collaborated with Voight on a way to get Adam out of it, instead of just going to him and being like, you need to fix this. Right. She would have been like, hey, I'm concerned. What are we doing? Or what can I do? And what are you doing? Whatever. She would have asked questions rather than told him what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, how do you think she's going to react in 14? Is it? It is 14, right? We know that. Like, so. I think so, yeah. Oh, Lord. I don't, I mean, I know it's a big reaction. Because um, we, that's what was, like, been spoiled. Like, it's like, you know, she has some sort of, like, big reaction. I don't know. Yeah, that's going to be weird because i would like to think that she's not going to care because it's been three years and that's that but and then it's like the bursic of you wants her to care the bursic fan of course and you want to and then it's like does she found out like jay does does she like walk in on them making out does someone tell her and if it is is it not upton or adam which i would presume it wouldn't be if we're getting like a big reaction out of her i don't know you think she's going to be upset with Haley? I don't, I really, I think it depends on how it plays out. But my gut says she's going to be hurt more probably by the fact that she wasn't told. Not that, like, it happened. I hope so. That's where I think she's going to be more hurt. But I could be completely wrong. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So Haley also asks, you know, being big Halstead fans, how did you guys feel about his reaction? I mean, I feel like he already knew. See, and I kind of feel like he didn't. I mean, like, I think this was supposed to be his, clearly supposed to be his official reaction, like I said earlier. Um, so, I mm-hmm. mean, you know what? Honestly, I'm kind of turning around on Upstead. Like, I'm kind of, like, just waiting for it. I think because I also just really would rather have Upstead more than Upsick, which is something I did not say earlier mm-hmm. on. I said earlier that I would have definitely... Before either of those things happen, I definitely said I wanted Upsick before I wanted Upstead, which I've now reversed mm-hmm. my position. And I was actually kind of feeling, like, the Upstead stuff during this episode. I was like, okay, I'm here for that. Like, you know, like, I'm here for this. The only reason I'm feeling Upstead these days is just because she gets him so well. I mean, I don't know if he gets her to the same level, but she gets him. Yeah, she does. Like, she does. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. And I, we've said this before. I mean, we're I obviously, like we said, big Halstead fans. So, like, if this ends up being what Jay wants, then I want it for him. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so Haley also asked if it, you know, she said, how do you guys feel about the interviews we got with Jesse and Patty? Does it sound to you like they're being coy as fuck? Well, yeah, they're being coy as fuck. That's like their jobs is to be coy as right. fuck in they interviews. They can only give so much away. But I oh, feel yeah. like Jesse especially, time. like, Patty's, I mean, as long as, like, Patty's pretty good about, like, I mean, we talked about it earlier. Like, his, like, he's very insightful, gives very, like, Clearly, he's thought about this and, like, thought about Ruzik from all different sides. Not saying that Jesse hasn't, but he's thought about Ruzik. He's thought about, like, what Ruzik's mind is thinking as he's going through all of this. So, he just has, like, a very insightful mind. Jesse has always been coy in his answers. And, like, having, like, been in the same room as him and, like, seen him answering questions in person, it is no different. Yeah. It's very much the same way. Yeah. He's very, like, literal with it. If you ask him a question about, you know, what do you think your character was doing at this moment? He's like, well, I mean, the writers might have been doing this. He, he's always like, it's always up to the writers. He doesn't like, want yeah, to say know, something like, controversial. Yeah. yeah. And, like, you can, whereas Patty, yeah. like, Patty's so insightful that, like, he doesn't really care if it's slightly controversial. Like, he's going to say it. Like, obviously, he doesn't want to, like, spoil something or, like, or say something that could be perceived wrong and, like, lose his job but not that he would but you know what i'm saying like patty doesn't really care whereas like jesse definitely does yeah jesse doesn't want to ruffle feathers yeah so i don't know let's not forget though in that patty interview he totally compared berzik to ross and rachel from friends yeah that was a big controversy on twitter i mean some people saw it as a good thing and some people saw it as a terrible thing I, I see it as, like, a hopeful sign. Ross and Rachel ended up together at the end. They did, but, like, Ross and... I think this is where it was perceived as a bad thing, is, like, Ross and Pe- Ross and Rachel are kind of idealized when, it, like, really, in fact, they are not a good couple, like, at all. Okay, see, I've, I've actually never watched Friends all the way through. I've seen episodes here and there. It, he, Ross and Rachel... Like, it's funny, because, like, having seen, like, the first time I watched it, I was in high school. I was in 10th grade. And mm-hmm. so, like, back then, it was like, oh, my God, Ross and Rachel, like, they're goals. Like, they're everything. Whatever. And I still thought that the first time I watched it through. And then, like, having now watched it as, like, an adult, Ross and Rachel, like, yes, they eventually end up together. And, like, they have moments where they're great. But, like, they're definitely not the best couple on that show. They're the ones with, like, the epic love story and, like, the will they, won't they or whatever. So, like, you know, they're just the goals. But, like, they're not the best. I would probably put them at third by far. Interesting. They're probably my third favorite okay. couple. I gotta do more research into that one. So, I think that's kind of where, too, it ruffled some feathers. But I could be wrong in that it just yeah. ruffled feathers because, you know they aren't together for a while and Patty pretty much says, you know, like they're not together for a while on the show, but they end up together. So it's okay. Like, and so that means like Berzik fans just kind of have to sit and suffer while until PD decides it ever ends. And that that's when Berzik will get together. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's what, and Marina's joked about that before. She's like, well, the series finale will probably be a Berzik wedding. I'm like, I don't want it to be the series finale. I want it sooner than that. I want to enjoy married Berzik. Right. If that's what happens. But the only reason I know that it's now been three years is because I was going through Time Hop the other day and or not the other day. I was going through Time Hop this morning 
And a tweet from a Q&A came up and it was like, you know, when Burgess makes her big decision, will Atwater be there for her? And her big decision being to break it oh off. Oh, my God. So that's the only reason I know it's been three years. That's yeah. crazy. Oh, man. Ugh. Yeah. So one other thing that I wanted to touch on before we talk about that promo, because holy shit, that promo. There was a lot of talk on Twitter on Wednesday night about Burgess and how she's almost been kind of reduced to a background character this season. I kind of wanted to get your take on that and see what you thought. Remind me, has she had an episode this season? I think she has. I want to say she had one. Something where she screwed up some evidence and Voight was like, if you do that again, I'll bury you. Unless I'm confusing that with last season. I'm about to go Google this. Hold on. I like all the shows are like starting now to like blur together. Like I don't. Hold on. Let's see. Let's see. Go to Wikipedia. Hold on a second. Oh, yeah, she had the um, civilian, the ride-along. When the ride-along goes sideways, when they run into a crossfire and the Burgess chooses sides with, um, what is her name? Oh, Andy. Yeah. That was Burgess's yeah, okay. episode. Yeah. So, yes, she has, but otherwise that's it. Okay. I get what people are saying, though. We haven't seen as much of her as we usually would. I, no, I, I agree. And I definitely, I mean, I definitely agree. And I don't know when we're supposed to, I mean, obviously I'm assuming 14 is going to be the next Burgess episode, but like, I don't know that for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, we're only halfway through the season, so hopefully that changes for the better. But then if you think about it, because I was thinking about it, too, like today about, you know, that whole deal with Burgess being a background character. I mean, Antonio's kind of been background this season. He's a shell of what he's been in the past this year. Right, he's, like, finally now getting the storyline, but, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're halfway through the season, so things could change. And we know that in 14, you know, she's supposed to find out about Up 6, so... I'm, I'm kind of in a wait-and-see pattern. I'm just kind of hoping she gets more, and then we'll just kind of see. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. But that promo. Holy shit, that promo. Like I said, I haven't seen Mad or Fire's promos yet, but I did see PDs, and holy shit is all I have Well, to and so it's funny. So you texted me. I was not watching because I was, like, on my way home from basketball, and you were watching on the Mountain Standard Time feed because – Fucking Arizona yeah. with their no daylight savings time. So they're on Mountain Standard Time. So you text me and you're like, holy shit, that promo. And I was like, what? Like, okay. And then you were like, Kevin got shot. And I was like, huh? What? Huh? Yeah, it's clear as day in the promo. Kevin gets yeah, shot. Yeah, oh, I, I saw it. Yeah, and then, like, the last scene of the promo is Voight standing over Atwater saying, like, stay with me, stay with me. Holy shit. Yeah. Damn. It looks like he only gets shot in the arm, so, like, it's not bad, but... Yeah, and I don't think they're going to have Kevin die in a 
six eleven, but I could be wrong. I mean, I don't think so. But he's not going to. He's been in. He's been in photos since. Yeah. Then. No, I know. But like, <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Still. And like, what if he gets shot protecting Adam? I'm, I'm, I'm going to want to strangle Adam and be like, listen, the last time somebody was loyal and tried to protect Voight, they died. Okay. Now somebody's trying to protect you while you're trying to protect Voight and your BFF just got shot. Okay. Kind of since we're speaking about BFFs, do we think, do, I think we've talked about this before, but do we think that um, Atwater knows about Upton and Ruzik? I have said yes to this before, but I can't remember why. Because, like, I want to say, like, the BFF in them, like, of course he knows. But, like, I doubt he knows for the television aspect of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it's a television show, like, I doubt he knows. But I feel like if this was a real-life situation, like, of course he would know. I I remember saying yes to this question, and I think it was the episode when we saw – disco bob again but i can't remember why i said that yeah i don't know it's been a while and again i've been traveling all day um i gotta go back and see but yeah no for the television of it he probably doesn't know but also i would like to think that ruzik tells kevin most things but i don't think male bffs function in the same way female bffs do yeah who knows who Knows. Also, fun random fact, this episode was directed by McKelty Williams' son. Oh, McKelty. Yeah. I didn't realize. I just saw that when I was looking at episode descriptions. I'm glad he's still involved with the show. I do, too. I don't know if I would mind if Denny ever came back, although Denny's probably in jail for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need him. I don't know. (laughs) are there any other notes to add from this episode of pd this crazy intense episode of pd you know what i really liked about this episode is that this was the first one that i can recall where we focused more on the characters than we did on the case yeah and i liked it a lot i liked it a lot yeah yeah like i didn't even care about the case like at all no just the carjacking crew yeah but it was a good episode. It was a very good episode. Really good episode. Yeah. We did get a little bit of Burgewater because we got that moment where they partnered up to go uh, interrogate the guy. And then Burgess just started, like, flipping shit and, like, knocking shit Yeah, over. we did get a little Burgewater. That was cool. Yeah. But, yeah, that's that's the week in Chicago. Dear Lord. It was crazy. I know. Dear Lord. Uh-huh indeed so so we should be back on a normal schedule now um i'm not going out of town again for another four days but it's not going to affect the podcast and our recording schedule so that's good so we should get back to live tweeting and releasing just like normal and yeah that's a good thing um as always you know where to find us facebook twitter instagram tumblr it's me to molly's email us anytime about anything at me at molly's at gmail.com Seriously, anything. Our inbox is a safe space. You can talk about anything. Anything. Um, yeah, if you like the show, which we really hope you do, please feel free to give us a rating and review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate that. 
follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. And everybody have a good weekend, and we will see you next week. Bye.